Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me for the 401st time, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. How you doing, friend? It is great to see your face, dude. Uh, we missed last week, and I don't think I actually realize how much like my week is dependent on seeing you every single week. Right, I got to touch base with you. You're my sanity check, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, we could have probably done something where we cut together like greatest hits, etc. But nah, oh, that's a lot of work. That's so, <laughs> that's so motivated, you know. <laughs> so uh, I had to leave town for a bit. So we ended up just kind of taking a week off. It was also a very light week in terms of news, mm. and then things went into overdrive. Yep. We'll 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 discuss a lot of it um, here in the middle segment. But first, man, what have you been playing for the last couple weeks? So oddly enough, for the last two weeks, I've turned on Arena twice. So I've right. I've I've launched it. I've played like one match, and then I kind of just looked at like what the events were going on, and that's about it. Um, and it's been really refreshing to not just be on that daily grind of Arena. It's been with me for the last year and a half, and I appreciate that it's existed, uh, but it just cannot replace Paper Legacy, dude. Uh, the past two weeks, Obviously. I have played Paper Legacy, and um, it just makes me so happy. It is just so, so good. Uh, I tweeted this last week when I was playing uh, the Grixis control list that I had. I played miserably. I mean, I lost I, I think I won one match out of the entire night um but I, I mean I played awful but I would gladly play that poorly all the time as long as I could be playing legacy right I mean it it, it was just really really refreshing um mm-hmm. on top of just like seeing some of the guys that I haven't seen for you know 15 months straight um it's been great to just see them catch up interact kind of see where they have been for like the last year because I think a lot of people um I've been very fortunate you know I think we've both been fortunate and whatnot but I know a lot of people haven't one dude had to like sell magic cards during the pandemic to just make ends meet and like hearing that sort of like heartbreaking story uh really got to me and so you know open that tra- trade binder it's like do you need anything let's let's you know try to do something so that you can build your collection back up or at least have something to play in Legacy. Um, mm-hmm. So that was awesome. Uh, Grixis Control, nothing really new with this list. Uh, it, it's I'm running one Sedgemore Witch just to ch- kind of check it out. I had the card, and um, she's great. Uh, like, I think she actually has a place in, like, not the list that I was playing, but I think that she does have a place in some sort of, like, Grixis build with Young Pyromancer. A one or two of, I think, would be just totally okay with young pyromancer um on top of this uh i am working towards getting the snow miracles the the um the i guess what is it the ice fang coddle snow miracles list plays uro as well uro right? as well basically miracles with uro yeah i don't have all the elements for that one yet so playing blue white miracles uh this is like monastery mentor win with jace uh, like not a lot new in the list other than prismatic ending, which continues to just be an all-star for me. Like, uh, especially now 
one mana artifacts are just everywhere thanks to um oh gosh the the saga land there's a saga thank you um they're everywhere that just being able to deal with that with prismatic ending is huge like you just have artifact mm. removal you have enchantment removal there's just so many things where having two or three prismatic endings solves so many problems that a uh, council's judgment just could never get to right so all-star card like this is here to stay i think for legacy um especially in any of the white-based control lists it's just it's an all-star man um yeah and actually played fairly well with blue white miracles um ended up going three one and uh yeah, I mean, it's just a who's who. Like, I, the meta at my local store is not the meta that you're going to see on MTG Goldfish, right? It's everybody's playing their favorite pet decks or kind of, you might just randomly see a ninjas list because why not? Somebody wants to play ninjas, right? So mm. uh, there's nothing really new to report. Uh, Legacy is great. The injection of Modern Horizons 2, I think, has been excellent for the format. Uh, it, it feels diverse in a way that... Um, coming back into it this late into the game, uh, it, it just feels fresh. I would also say there's not really a tournament structure in the same way that there has been for Legacy in the past, so I think that's actually healthy for the format mm -hmm. um, in some ways because you just don't feel like, oh, these are the top three decks, and you must do you know X, Y, Z. Um, so I have been confined to Arena because I've been away so much, which has kind of been a bummer because... Really wanted to play standard <laughs> uh, in paper. I have a standard paper deck together and just haven't been able to play it much. Um, but the thing that I did the most this week was the Chromatic Cube, which is the new cube um, on MTG Arena. Now, last time I said, hey, I really feel like uh, aggressive decks and control decks were kind of the thing to do. I did get some feedback that were like, um, I can't remember the Twitter user's name. They're like, hey, actually, you should try this or that. And I never had time to really implement or test those suggestions, but I do appreciate those. Um, however, the Chromatic Cube is a, you are meant to draft multicolored zaniness, mm -hmm. okay? I did not have an amazing record. I probably drafted it five times, and I was probably right at 50%. Sometimes those drafts can go really sideways, <laughs> you know, I one of my drafts, I, I ended up with a Mizzix Mastery, like pack one, pick one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of big spells. And and then those things just didn't really happen, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. those things kind of dried up. But it's a bunch of big, dumb gold creatures and things like this. And I would say it's really fun to do a few times and just have fun with the zaniness of it, right? Of all these big mana, dumb things that can happen. Everyone's like a four or five color deck. Um, because that's how far they tilt you. Uh, drafting lands really gives you an advantage over a lot of other people as a result, um, which is kind of a, a vintage cube thing on mm -hmm. MTGO as well. So it was fun. I don't know that I really wanted to do it like you know for multiple, multiple days, um, but a good time. I, I drafted one deck that I had three of the different commands <laughs> in it. <laughs> so, wow. uh, or no, the ultimatums. I had Genesis oh, Ultimatum. Okay, okay. A Jeskai Ultimatum, and I mean, it was just That's like... even more absurd. And so then I had like, yeah, Chromatic Lantern. I also had the freaking, uh, the the Dryad. Unfortunately, this was not the Mizzix Mastery deck, so that that part didn't work out. But hey, whenever you get to cast back-to-back... -back, oh, it was a Fires of Invention deck, too. Okay. <laughs> 
But if you ever get the chance to uh, cast back-to-back uh, Ultimatums and Limited, I would recommend it. <laughs> it's a good time. Um, then, in terms of constructed, I've just been playing Historic. Standard, I'm kind of really ready for this injection of new cards. Yeah, man. Uh, also ready for that with Historic. Which, by the way, did you see that they are officially postponing Pioneer Masters <laughs> on Arena? I... Can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I that w- got sent out, and everybody w- had screenshot it on Twitter, and we we're talking about it. And then I had this moment of I don't even remember them announcing Pioneer Masters. Uh, you know, I had to go back and be like, oh yeah, I think maybe we did talk about this. <laughs> um, but you know, they're, basically they say historic is going to be the focus. Historic's done really well. Fine, mm-hmm. cool. That's fine. Um, but I played the Niv Mizzet. Uh, curiosity. I've played the blue red and the rug version, and and if you don't, I'm familiar with the combo. If you have curiosity attached to Niv Mizzet and you cast any instant or sorcery, the, your opponent is dead because basically curiosity says when you deal them one damage, draw a card. When this creature deals one damage, draw a card. Niv Mizzet says when you draw a card, deal a damage. So essentially, once you have it set up, so basically you play four Niv Mizzets. Uh, one curiosity and a bunch of blue red or green blue red control type stuff anger of the gods whatever and this deck is not very good either i'd say it's a, a very comfortably tier you know tier two tier three deck like when it works it's great but then you know your hand can get ripped to shred it's very mm. susceptible to all the racto stuff and the rogue stuff is very fast and you know even like these like boros aggro decks like, they can just get you if you don't happen to hit your Anger of the Gods, right? Because yeah. you are so removal light in this deck. Like, you have uh, Prisma- Prismari Command. That is your sole main deck removal spell. And that, that kills basically nothing, right? Um, I've also messed around. Have you ever seen these Mind's Desire decks that they sideboard into fully Young Pyromancer and Sprite Dragon and all that? No. <laughs> so game one, game one, it's a Mizzix Mastery, a Genesis Ultimatum, Mind's Desire Storm deck, right? With Faithless Looting and Brainstorm and all this. And then you can, the, the package of the combo is like exactly 15 cards. And then you take all those 15 cards out and you put in the entire sideboard. And then it's a Young Pyromancer, Sprite Dragon, Stormwing Entity deck. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> uh I would say it's more fun than good, yeah, but yeah. man, whenever you've done the transformational sideboard and your opponent plays two Graph Diggers Cage against you, that's a great time. That's a oh, great time. Yeah. I do need to sit down with what are quote unquote the best historic decks for like some amount of time, mm. which I think everybody settled on Jeskai, either control or transformational control. Uh, and uh, the Rakdos deck, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm missing an obvious one here. Green red doesn't matter. Yeah, green red. So the, the I just need to sit down and play with all of them and get a feel for where the format's at now. The time warp spanned. Um, I would say I'm probably not going to be overwhelmed, but it needs to happen mm-hmm. for the sake of the show, Cameron. For the sake of the show. All right, dude. We're gonna get out of this. Talk about the cavalcade of news. We'll be right back. All right, Cameron. So the first thing I want to do before we get into Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, or as everyone calls it ever, the Dungeons and Dragons set, um, I do want to ask you, I do want to talk about this like just weird set of 
issues that is happening with Watsi and essentially their digital programs that are not Arena. I know it's cool to complain about Arena all the time, but believe it or not, Arena is by far and away the best working thing that they have. Okay? Did you ever download Magic Legends? I didn't. No. I, the reviews just did not make me want to take the time even to download. Well, Cameron, you did the, good, you did the right thing. I downloaded it, and I played it for approximately 45 minutes. And that was 45 minutes I can never get back. <laughs> it was really quite bad. Um, and Dark Alliance released this last week, which is a Dungeons & Dragons-themed uh, uh, hack-and-slash kind of thing, dungeon crawler. It also got critically panned. Mm. So let's just stop there, because going into this new leadership of WotC that we're currently, uh, I mean, you might say enjoying, you might say enduring, I don't know, um, we were told, hey, they're going to go full digital, man. And we are going to explore the space of putting our properties in other things. How's this working out for you, Cameron? Oh, dude. Well, we, we, we need to go... Uh, I feel like this company just needs to define what's it, what is its mission statement, right? Like, what are you good at? Is it making the next dungeon crawler, making the next hack and slash, or is it making a really good card game? You know, like that, that to me is like where the focus should be. And like all of these like ancillary products of like using the magic brand on all of this other stuff just doesn't seem to get at like what people hold valuable and love about this product. So that's where I'm at. I just think magic okay specifically magic i know we're kind of crossing streams a little bit because dark alliance yeah. is a dungeons and dragons property but i think it's symptomatic of the same problem is that for whatever reason this leadership came over and said time to print some money boys time to make this profitable and you could argue with me that yes that is what a ceo or whoever this leadership team is that is what you're supposed to do when you run a company however They've diluted what the brand is so much, mm -hmm. so much, and chase these things in a, I mean, in a literal kind of, um, not a literal, like a figurative scorched earth type mentality that it's kind of alarming how bad these things have come out, okay? So first of all, we're reprinting everything, okay? Printing everything with a bazillion different variants and this kind of thing. I don't know if you looked at the Dungeons & Dragons post where they, were, where they went through all the different kinds of variants of cards. Not the different card types, but like, hey, it could be the sketchbook. It could be look like a book cover. Mm -hmm. It could be a foil. It could be a full art. Like, this is bananas and cheapens the whole thing. Yep. Right? And if you... I, I really genuinely feel this way. Magic the Gathering, to me, at some point, and Dungeons & Dragons, too, had this real premium thing associated with it. Yes, there's Pokemon. Yes, there's Yu-Gi-Oh. But who is the Ferrari of the card game space? Mm -hmm. Who's the Rolex of the card game space? Right? Like, we could go pick a, pick a, a field. You know, Nintendo is probably in this category, too. There is a certain brand expectation, and that company is not willing to cheapen themselves and dilute their long-term success. And this is what's happened. Magic Legends, 
Yes, that was uh, basically an external studio, not within Wizards of the Coast, but we don't know how much money that project absorbed. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to very easily bet that that amount of money could have covered competitive play or whatever they've gutted for competitive play. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's a completely terminated game that didn't leave beta, miserable failure, and it's not because, because I saw this online, it really upset me. People were like, yeah, these developers, no good. They made Star Trek Online. And A, I, I don't know that many people have played that, but it's still alive, so how bad can it be? Right? Yeah. But B, you are the IP holder. You are the one that's ultimately responsible for it going out the door. End of story. Yep. And it's quality. Right? So that, and, and like the Dark Alliance thing chafed me too because as an older video game player, the original Dark Alliance was a great, like a great game, Cameron. Mm-hmm. And to just make it into essentially shovelware this time around, again, just shows like, guys, what are you doing? You know, the... The video games that used to be associated with D&D, not all of them, but like Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, Icewind Dale, um, Neverwinter Nights. We're talking about these incredible Mm -hmm. experiences, right? And now you have this thing that like, I think it's got a 3.5 user review score. That all ties in with also them... Just completely messing up MTGO. And I know we've been, we'll say, not the biggest fans of MTGO in the past. Um, But I don't know if you've seen this, Cameron, but the Modern Horizon 2 prices have basically wrecked the economy. Oh, wow. Um, So, like, basically a bunch of the rental services, you can't rent the actual decks that you need. Because, like, a playset of Raghavans is, like, $400. (laughs) <laughs> because no one is drafting it, and they've basically made the pack price the same as a physical pack. It's $8 a pack on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. Now, in the past, Cameron, so like, let's say you were like, oh, well, Curtis, they were $4 a pack for uh, Theros. Um, what's the big difference? Well, Theros you could redeem. Remember, you could get a full set. You could send off 15 bucks with that, and you would get the full set in the mail, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot do that with Modern Horizons. So you can't get the actual cards back out of it, but they're charging you the same price. People didn't draft it, and they offer Phantom Drafts. So uh, now Modern and Legacy on Magic Online are experiencing these huge, massive dips because people can't afford. <laughs> I mean, it all goes back to... Why? What incentive is there with this digital product when there is another digital product that you know the company is investing all of its resources, time, effort, and energy into? MTGO has been this forgotten thing now for years, years and years. And we, so yeah, if you're going to ask me to invest how much money in a draft on MTGO to get those cards, when I don't even know because the company isn't being upfront with how long is MTGO going to last? Like two more years, it, it, you know, 10 more years. Like what? We don't even know what wizards plays playbook is going to be with MTGO. So yeah. And then relying on the, the, the subscription services kind of stinks. Like, I mean, I totally get it, but this also kind of goes back to, like, I just don't understand Wizards sometimes. You own this product. 
if you think there's value in it, why don't you create incentive then for people? Like, like there's just complete miscommunication on Wizards part as far as like what this digital product they have with MTGO is. And uh, it's just going to continue being a problem. So it sucks for every single modern and legacy player on MTGO, but also like we've been saying this for years. Why would you invest in this? Why? At this point, there's no reason that you should be putting any money into that that digital product. Yeah, and we're kind of also getting to the stage where if they're serious about modern, then they probably need to think about, instead of Pioneer Masters making modern the thing on Arena just to transition these players, because it seems obvious to me that MTGO is going to be like, you know, EverQuest 1 is, is like still going around somewhere, right? Like, uh-huh. they're going to let the people play in that playground and kind of peel off one at a time. But I don't think that server is going down anytime soon. But it's just incredible the amount of mismanagement of all these different elements of the company right now. From competitive play to all their digital third-party stuff to their actual in-house digital stuff. Like, what is the direction it just feels like I'm constantly being greeted with, well, don't you want to buy more of our secret layers? And instead of getting... And obviously there are people at the company that are talented, that care about the game. I'm, this is not me criticizing the yeah. whole company. I just... I don't know what the directives are. And it seems really insulting to the user base to set up Modern Horizons 2 like this on Magic Online and not do something about it. You know? So, like... That's an insulting decision. I would argue that something like specifically Magic Legends was on its face a bad idea that someone, it just reeks of somebody in the board. Hey, isn't World of Warcraft still around, Bob? And they're like, yeah, let's get one of those. <laughs> let's get a World of Warcraft. Yeah. And then, they're, and then they got halfway through and they're like, uh, MMO, we can't do. Because remember, this was originally going to be an MMO. And uh, they're like, uh, what about a Diablo? Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. My nephew plays Diablo. Make it happen. And, like, how, how you go through this logic to make this game in this fashion, and it's so obvious that you should make a single-player magic variant. Like, how long has Slay the Spire been out, Cameron? Three years? Four years? And you don't, you don't have that? Mm-hmm. It would take way less resources. You would make a killing. Almost everybody that plays magic would play it. But there is literal no single-player mobile magic variant like can that be any more obvious Mm -hmm. so yeah it's 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 like amazing to me it's just amazing to me so complaint time out of the way i want to i want to get into a more nuanced discussion with you about the forgotten realms mechanics which i mean i would call these polarizing okay Mm -hmm. specifically dungeons there's classes and then there's these, like, obviously there's the D20 cards, which, unfortunately, I saw coming. Um, what are your thoughts on all this, Cameron? Uh, I mean, we're getting a D&D set, so to be expected, I guess, in some ways, right? I mean, like, the D20, yeah, yeah I, I was kind of expecting that. Doing something with a dungeon, I didn't think they would be this literal, uh, but here we are. So, uh, yeah. I'm fine with it right now. Uh, you know, six months down the road, maybe not. But right now, yeah. Yeah, I... 
neither of us are Dungeons and Dragons players. Um, a lot of my knowledge of it comes from video games like Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate. Um, and so maybe I'm wrong. The dungeon thing feels much more like a limited mechanic than a constructed mechanic. Uh, kind of like uh, the lesson learned thing from Strixhaven. Obviously, it's more cumbersome than that. But it's like, okay. feel like if you have a thing called Dungeons & Dragons, you probably need to have both of those things. Um, and I expected the dungeons to just be lands, but I think this is a little bit more... Captures the vibe, yeah. if you will, yeah. of a tabletop role-playing game. And so it, it didn't bother me. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I have always argued that magic is better when there are decisions. And... There are decisions to be made here. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. And hey, there's going to be dragons. Shock. <laughs> um, the flavor words is something that apparently they do in Pokemon, where it looks like it's a, uh, a keyword, but it's just them using a flavor word to describe what that action is. Um, so like it emulates a D&D moment, I guess. And uh, I also am not bothered by this, but there's going to be a lot of me going, hey, can I read that card? Yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, is somebody just going to say, I pry it open, or are they going to say, I'm creating a treasure token, right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I want to ask, I want to get your opinion on the class enchantments, because those are pretty interesting. So essentially, they come down like an enchantment, but you... It looks like a saga, but you have to pay for each level. Now, whenever you get to level two, you get what's on level one and level two together, on and on. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, they seem, on the face, they, they seem like they could be very, very powerful, it's similar to the the sagas. Uh, paying into them, I think, is kind of cool. It f- kind of has a callback to me as far as the, I can never remember the name of the can- mechanic where you had like a one white mana creature that you could pay to level up essentially it was called leveling yeah leveling thank you there we go so you know similar kind of vibe there um but once again it just feels like it fits the D vibe so um right now i i like the mechanic but i can totally see where maybe one or two of these could be problematic down the road <laughs> yeah i think it's going to be the mechanic that i mess up the most between live play and uh arena because yeah. arena is gonna like automatically put those in but like if there are multiple class enchantments on the field at the same time Oof. and i gotta remember that there are like four or five of static effects happening that's where it's gonna get a little tough for me mm-hmm. I'll, I'll i'll be honest with you i am not super excited about having to roll a d20 one of the things i like about magic is the like non-reliance on dice however it is kind of part and parcel with what Dungeons and Dragons is, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it is kind of cool. Like, so at the lower common level, it's just like, oh hey, they get plus one plus zero in death touch, or you know, like these little boost in terms of randomness. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one that's like, if they hit, it's I think it's a rare, but if they hit the twenty, then it's like they can reanimate any creature <laughs> in any graveyard or something yeah. like really intense. <laughs> like I don't know that that's the kind of RNG that I'm not a big fan of in Magic, but. Um, again, dude, I don't have any affinity for Dungeons and Dragons. I think this set looks really cool. I don't like, 
we're not talking about any of the cards today, but I don't know that any of them are going to be like super constructed powerhouses until Eldraine leaves, but yeah, such is life. Some right? of them, I mean, some of them, and I do think there is like a little, they're evocative. There are some that are very evocative, and I really dig the, like you said, the flavor, I guess, the way that they kind of look, the vibe of it. Um, it makes me feel like I might be in my friend's basement in 1998 and we're playing D&D or something, you know, or I'm kind of just passively playing it. So I dig that. Yeah, same, same, man. Well, hey, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about both the fast and the furious. We'll be right back. All right, Cameron, you know what matters most? Family, you know? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So uh, I hear that you have watch the ninth i guess it's not technically the ninth fast and furious film yeah, but it's yeah the most recent one um f9 f9 will uh tell me about it so uh my history of fast and furious is sporadic at best i know i've seen like the first and second ones i think i missed tokyo drift i came back and watched five or six because people said they were kind of fun and different um, but I couldn't tell you anything about the lore of Fast and Furious. Um, so going into this and not having watched the last one, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, like I, I just dumped, jumped into the deep end and, uh, the movie is ridiculous and bonkers and it's so dumb in the best way where I'm not quite sure that some of the filmmakers are in on the joke. Like, I think some might be, like, fully, like, in on it, and some might be, like, this is the Citizen Kane of racing movies or whatever, right? Um, you can I, say Vin Diesel's name, dude. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the movie is, like, just... Like, I, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, they're in the jungles of South America, and, like... They have essentially they're indestructible. They play into the joke that they're indestructible, that they can't die. Uh, Vin Diesel can like pull down buildings with chains. Like, I mean, like this stuff happens in the movie. It is incredibly dumb. But this was the first time I've been in a movie theater with other people. And dude, I am resentful that movie theaters are a dying breed that are going to have to change in this future because my pastime is going to the movies and I forgot how much I needed it. Like it is just, it's like a therapy for me going into a dark room with other people to watch whatever movie it is. Um, and it could be the best movie. It can be the dumbest movie, but just having that experience, I'm going to remember it in a way that, I haven't remembered half of the stuff that I've watched on Netflix this past year, right? So um, in in that sense, Fast and the Furious has um, saved movies for me. We'll just say that. Oh. <laughs> nice. And giving you a new perspective on family, so that's it, good. It's true, yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I got to be honest with you. I think the first movie I'll watch back in the movie theater will be... Um, if it's not Fast and Furious, it'll probably be Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, mm. um, which is about, I don't know if you've seen the preview, but that's about as much of a movie for Curtis as you could possibly make. 
So, yeah, yeah. I'm down for that. Um, but, yeah, I haven't gone back since Sonic the Hedgehog. Oof. Dude. It was the last movie I saw in the theater. And uh, I don't know. I think for some n- amount of it, I was, uh, I was not paying attention. So my son That's loved fair. it, though. Yeah. Um, so for me, honestly, I haven't done that much because I've been away. More Ratchet and Clank, more Mass Effect. Uh, I, Ratchet and Clank, again, very good. I would say uh, I don't think it's the best Ratchet and Clank, which I think has been kind of the the standard opinion for a lot of people hmm. the combat is kind of a mess to me it is a lot going on all the time and there's a lot of times where it's like you don't feel like you're getting good information about what's going on so there's been times where i kind of die in combat because there's so much going on yeah. and i'm like i didn't even know i needed to go get health right so the rest, the exploration part of it, and then of course the characters and all that is really a ton of fun. And it's really well made. Um, it's just like, like I said, because you know Ratchet and Clank, you get into those combat arenas. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Um, this game doesn't really have a compunction about people getting behind you a lot, which is kind of a thing that Ratchet and Clank's always used to kind of stay away from. Is the enemies would always be kind of far away and in front of you, and you could do this kind of weird somersault. Yep. Jump to the left, jump to the right, use your various weapons. That's not what this game is anymore. Um, so that's kind of my one little niggle. Mass Effect 3. What a weird... Um, it's not bad, and I'm intrigued, and I'm going to keep playing. Um, but it feels like Mass Effect 2 had like the storyline and what you're doing in the game were like in a really great parallel... You know, of like mm-hmm. you are assembling this team to do this impossible task, and everything that you did was in service of assembling the team for this like heist kind of thing, yeah. right? Um, Mass Effect Three that stops, and it's like Earth is on fire, man. Hey, could you stop in yes. the nearest galaxy? <laughs> it's the uh, oblivion are, syndrome, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are really low on milk, and I, mean, I need you to stop. Also, genocide. <laughs> also, check your tire pressure. You can never be too careful. So there's a lot of that going yeah. on that you're like... And um, I, I do feel like, and I don't want to get into spoilers, there's a certain faction that goes from friendly to not friendly over the course of Mass Effect 2 to Mass Effect 3. And I don't think that reveal is handled super well. They kind of treat it like you should have already known this was happening. Mm-hmm. Instead of making it a... Oh, holy cow. This is what happened, you know? Um, So the narrative stuff is way clumsier than um, the the Mass Effect 1, 2 stuff. Like, the, I would argue the best segment of story of all the Mass Effect stuff I've played so far is the last half of 1, which is killer. Mm. Just killer. And really, like, shot me through 2. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through, man. I'm gonna do three, and I'm probably gonna do Andromeda. All you right. can't stop. Yeah, me yeah. Three is so weird because it it had the impossible task of like wrapping up all of the promises, right? And it just would never be able to complete that. Um, but yeah, I remember the story and like what you're talking about with like the disparity between like end of the world level stuff and the yeah, like you said, just hey, go fill up the gas tank, would you? Like, sort of, like, yeah. side quest. Just didn't really jive fully, but, eh. 
still playing yeah. really well. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the shooting mechanics are great. Uh, and it's really cool to carry one character between all the games, which Legendary Edition really makes a nice, smooth thing mm. for you to do. And so I have all the credits because they let you carry credits between the <laughs> nice. games. Uh, and so it, it's still great and really important. It's just... It's clear to me it's not as good as one or two, but I think that's that's a very tall order. So, yeah. Anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you about the ins and outs of Mass Effect 3, where could they find you? It's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We will check you guys next week.